Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. What is up? My name is Evan Singler. And I'm Eddie Ernst. And this is the PTA Tapes, a podcast where we go, tell them, Eddie. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. That is right. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. We want to talk to people about their story, what makes them different, and how others can channel their difference to also be successful. So, put the tape in and let's roll. We're coming back on the air after an interruption due to technical problems. Welcome back, everybody, to the PTA Tapes. Uh, part two of our series of Matt and Nate, where we're talking about our expectations uh, in the clinic, both uh, what we expected that you know was the same and what we expected that wasn't the same. Uh, part two here is what we expected that wasn't quite the same. You know, things that didn't go the way they thought we did, uh, or things that didn't go the way they we thought they would. <laughs> uh, words are hard sometimes, uh, most of the time. Uh, so yeah, sit back and enjoy this next episode of the PTA tapes. expectations not met um so i when i was going through school and going through clinicals i got sick and tired real fucking quick on physicians referrals and uh, with like asinine protocols or like yeah i mean that's a big thing protocols or referrals that you know ultrasound only three times a week luckily we don't have any physicians out here like that that i'm aware of um but like basically when physicians send a referral that I think is stupid, where like the, the rules or, or, or guidelines that they set are, are kind of ridiculous. Um, like I had one of my, one of the like first week I actually had my license out here. I had a patient that was like six months post-op rotator cuff or something like that, five or six months. And he was still on five pound restrictions and at home he's painting. He's, yeah. He's painting. He's like doing housework. He's doing shit way over five pounds. And so I was working with him and I was like, huh, interesting. So then I go to the, my, my supervising PT and I was like, hey, so like how strict is this actual like five pound restriction? She said, cover your ass, listen to it, you know, because if anything happens, it comes back on us. And I was like, oh God, fine. She's like, you only had your license for a week. Don't lose it. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't look, make her lose hers either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean, yeah. So like, I didn't like, I didn't like the answer because it wasn't what I wanted, but I respect it. Yeah, of course it. you didn't like the answer. That's Eddie for you. She, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, but <laughs> smarter than I am, she's the clinic director as well. She knows what she's talking about. Um, obviously, she's worked in this area a lot longer, so you know I, I follow the protocol. But um, that was one thing it, it is there's that I, I'm not as or not able to as much of like going against physicians or like try, I'm, I'm doing my best not to talk down to about physicians that people sure. have as much as I thought I would. Um, or like basically saying that physician, the, the, whatever the physician said is, is wrong. Um, because you know, partially because I've, I've heard some other stories where, where people like miscommunicate what you said or what the physician said. And then physician calls the, the, the PT clinic and then talks to the PT and says, why are you, why did my patient say that you said I'm a fucking idiot? Da, da, da. Um, even though that's what was actually said. Uh, like <laughs> Hopefully no PT ever says it quite like that, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, I mean, not exactly like that. And that ha- it hasn't happened here, but I've heard, you know, stories essentially like that. So that's one thing where I, uh, I haven't been like as anti MD as I thought I would be coming out the gates. Um, I, I, I listen a lot more. That's autonomy. I think is what it really comes down to. I'm not as autonomous as I thought I would be. 
Um, and I don't know why, like I know I'm under the, the supervision, you know, of a PT and I have to follow the PT plan of care, but I'm not as autonomous as a PTA as I thought I would be. Like I'm able to do treatment wise, I'm able to do whatever I want, but like, I feel held back sometimes when I'm treating like, you know, a knee and somebody says, Oh, my shoulder has been kind of bothering me. I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. I'll make sure to write that down and, and mention that mm-hmm. to the PT. There's nothing I can do about it today. Um, so I'm not as autonomous as I, for whatever reason I thought I would be. Um, I'm not disappointed by any means. I'm still able to do, you know, what I love and uh, I'm able to help people. But I, I think that that's the word I'm looking for is autonomy. I'm not as autonomous that as I thought I would be for, for whatever reason, I guess like I, I got too comfortable or, or, or was in the like PT Facebook groups too much. I'm looking at people saying like, Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter what the MD's referral says, just do what you think is right for the patient. Same thing mm-hmm. here, but you know, at the end of the day, easy for an evaluator to say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Easy for the evaluator to say. That, that that's where my issue was, was I, I was more involved in the PT Facebook groups than I was in some of the PTA Facebook groups. So I, I got that kind of mindset of, of like, Oh, I can do whatever, you know, as long as it's good for the patient, but I'm also forgetting that it's not just my license. It's also the PT's license that's on the line. So that's something I've kind of had to humble myself a little bit more of. Um, but luckily again, my, my PTs are great about, you know, letting me do mm-hmm. stuff when, um, when it's indicated and, and as long as it helps the patient. Um, but yeah, my, my autonomy is not as a uh, free roaming as, as I thought it would be for whatever reason. Again, I think I was just more involved in the PT groups. My, my answer is the direct opposite of that. So I wasn't going to like comment too much on it, but honestly, but what I will say to that Eddie is what's really cool. Make, what excites me about hearing what you said about, you know, being disappointed. There's not as much autonomy, seeing how much of an advocate you've been for PTAs to get more involved with joint mobilizations. I'm kind of excited because it's, it's going to be people like you that push the envelope for PTAs. And I think probably with, I mean, within the scope of, you know, the next few years, I bet we're going to start seeing that we are capable of a lot more than, than we are now. And the thing is too, I think even PTs know that, you know, we are capable of so much. And thankfully, I think we're also teaching a lot of it too, but obviously you know, we are, it, it's the nature of the beast. You know, unfortunately we are held back by, different laws or different uh, insurance companies who don't want to reimburse for PTAs, you know, not even talking about the whole, you know, that 15% drop through Medicare, whatever that was all about. Uh, We don't want to go into details there, but just in general, you know, there are some insurance companies that just don't want to reimburse for PTAs versus PTs. You know, and it's really cool. I think, you know, it's nice to know there's guys like you and eventually I want to get involved with stuff like that too, kind of, kind of pushing that front to see how much more we can get involved in later on. Well, if you want to know what that looks like, um, I think it was the, doctor pt group mm-hmm. also the doctor doctor physical therapy group where i posted a uh, it was it was our third part interview second or third part interview with cody where we talked about whether or not pca should do manips um and i posted a little like headliner um preview in there and then was like should ptas be able to do manips hint yes and like got fucking roasted Again, really? a lot of people. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of like PT students. Take the time, do the education, get the certification in it, go for it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm fine with it. And, that, and that's... I would hope most PTs would be the same one. Smart PTs that aren't afraid of somebody encroaching onto their practice that actually practice at the top of their license, I feel like, aren't afraid of it and are welcoming of it. Um, yeah. Like, those are pretty but rare they're doing anymore, it yeah. too. So like, I understand again, coming back to the supervising PT and it's their license. So like uh, I'm working with the Nevada board right now because there's nothing that says I can't do it, but there's nothing that says I can do it. So I'm waiting on them to officially. Yeah, it's, only, it's the APTA that has an official stance that they don't think we should. But I think Correct. in the Colorado law, I don't think it's there in the Colorado practice act either. 
Correct. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of States where it is kind of a gray line. Um, mm. but uh, with my PTs and everything, the, the way they have it is CYA cover your ass. So I'm waiting on mm. a, an official, um, I think we've all heard that one a few times. Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting on an official thing from them telling me yes or no. Like they emailed me and they said, cause I asked them and I was like, there's nothing in here that says I can, but there's nothing that says I can't. And I haven't done it yet. Cause I'm not, I don't want to, you know, fuck myself. So well, good for you. What you guys Let us know what you find out. Yeah. Yeah. They were, well, they replied black back initially and said, Oh, I think, you know, the answer is in here. And they highlighted the PTA scope practice. that says PTA will not be doing anything that requires the unique skills, knowledge da, 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 of a physical therapist. And I was like, great. That doesn't answer my question. Cause what <laughs> require right. unique skills, knowledge of a physical therapist? And I said, I would argue that this doesn't because there's states that allow it and I can take courses on it and have. So I would argue that it doesn't require that. Mm. Um, and he's like, oh, that's a good fucking point. Uh, let me get back to you. Nice. Paraphrased, of let course. Us know what, let us know what you find when you get it. For sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, hope, uh, hopefully be excited for that. Um, again, I'm, I don't think it's used that often, but it's more for me, like, the ability to do it. Like, even if I use it once a year, I just want the, like, I don't want to be held back by arbitrary bullshit. Mm. Right. Like same thing with especially, dry especially needling. if it's in the patient's best interest. Exactly. Same thing with dry needling for PTs. Like not every PT does it. Um, PTs that do do it probably don't do it every single day, but like just the ability to do it to help the patient. That's all I want. I just want the ability to do it. Even if I like don't do it that often. Yeah. It reminds me of that movie. What's that movie with Tom Cruise when he was a lawyer? Um, uh, what was the other guy's name? I can't remember, but it was that whole famous scene where he's like, I want the truth. And the guy's like, you can't handle the truth. I feel like that's like Eddie's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like your current predicament right now. Isn't that Jack Nicholson? Yeah, when are we going to get Eddie the truth? <laughs> you can't handle the truth, Evan. That's all I'm saying. That, next, next, AP- next episode, when is Eddie going to get the truth? I mean, at the end of the day, too, the APTA needs to change their, their stance on it. Because like, they sided with AOMPT. But, and I'm not going to reveal who told me, AOMPT essentially doesn't want any other AOMPT fellow to teach non-physical therapist skills. Like, they don't want you teaching, you know, PTAs. They don't want you teaching chiropractors. They don't want you teaching physicians. Like, they only want you teaching physical therapist skills. Allegedly. Don't have, like, hard copy proof of that, but that was told to me by somebody that is, um, that is one. Um Long so, story short, I mean, we all just, we all need to start making noise with our practice acts and our in our our state boards. If enough of us start acting, I mean, it's it is what it is. That's how movements get started. You know, one here, another one in another state. You know, fifteen states later, there's enough people reaching out. Enough noise has been made that somebody takes a look at. It. Yeah, I mean, that's how the the um, the PT compact happened. One mm-hmm. state happened, and then another state happened, and then another state happened, and then another, and another, and it just started to snowball. And then my state happened, and then we jumped back out. Now we're back in. We're playing. <laughs> Colorado's playing hokey pokey with the uh, the compact. But I think we're in it to state this time. Man. But yeah, that's where I'm at. That's uh, – yeah. What about you, Matt? What's uh, what's, what's something that you thought would, would go one way but, but didn't go go as you thought? Well, you know, it's it's so funny that this was kind of the the meat of the topic we wanted to get involved in. I, I guess, and you guys might have already known this, there is a twice-monthly uh, publication called um, Perspectives. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's it's through the APTA. They they sent me an email a while back wanting just like a one or two 
uh, line blurb of exactly that. What, like what was my expectation or what was something I wasn't expecting for that I, I wasn't prepared for kind of something that I that didn't e evaluate or equate. Well, sorry, I'm having a hard time with words here. Um, but it was a very similar question. I like talk about a, a funny happenstance and it made me think of something, but honestly, I want, I want Eddie yours. I want to respond to yours actually, cause mine is the exact opposite. I am almost sometimes struggling with how much autonomy I have. Um, like I'll tell you guys the story of my first day, the, the day before I started, my boss texted me. She said, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow Four hours treat. Now, anybody who's intelligent knows exactly what that means. I did not figure that out. I was like, oh, what does is, what is four hours treat mean? Does that mean I'll, I'll get four hours of a treat or after I'm there for four hours, she's going to give me a treat? <laughs> no, it meant I have four hours of treatment uh, on my very first day. I walked in. She shook my hand. She handed me my tablet and said, okay, here's your tablet and your patient list. If you have any questions, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was that, oh shit. Huh? I said that was probably like, oh shit, here we go. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was my onboarding. Thank God I was able to figure out the the app the the app that we use uh oh uh smart tx or uh Kasamba, uh, I think it's called, is the, the system that we use. I love it. It's so user friendly, thank God. Yeah. But uh and that's the thing, that's that's how kind of how my boss is. That's actually it's to be taken as a compliment, you know, now that I've been there for a while and I've learned from her and learned this is how she operates that she's a very, she trusts her PTAs. And if something that if she doesn't, if we don't need her, she's got other things to do. So it was hard. I mean, it took me a couple of months to really not feel like I was just like, Oh my God, I'm the, I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody's yeah. holding my hand. Is this right? Is that right? Is this the best thing? Is that the best thing? I mean, constantly second guessing myself. And I still do. I still wonder, like, is, is this okay? And I'd have to remember, like, hey, if you were doing it wrong, they'd come after you. Yeah, exactly. My patients are having results. You know, that's the most important thing. My patients are progressing. But uh, it was really hard. I mean, I got to admit, I'm, I'm a very structured individual. Like, I need, I need to know, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. I used to, be, used to be a very black and white kind of guy. And I now live in a beautiful shade of gray mm -hmm. uh, for most of my life. But uh, that's honestly the biggest thing that was really hard to get into was to just to not have a teacher right there with you, to not yeah. have a clinical instructor right there. You know what I mean? We all did our seven-week or four-week clinicals with a clinical instructor right there with us or, or in the same room at least, you know, to know that they're keeping an eye on you. But when you hit into the real world, I mean, sometimes you get the onboarding process. Sounds like Eddie got, which uh, I wish I could have. <laughs> But I, you know, but it, you know what it is. I have to, I have to say though, I am so much stronger and such a better clinician because of it. It, it was definitely a sink or swim scenario, and I mean, I still battle with uh, with stress and wondering if I if I can't do something better. But uh, I, I just I don't feel that way anymore. But that that was really a hard thing to to get a hold of that not having people holding my hand, that that being autonomous, you know. And it was the kind of if I if there was a treatment I wanted to try, I would usually text my boss, and she's like. It's within the plan of care. Why are you texting me? <laughs> like, well, I just want to make sure it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure that was okay with you. And she's like, go for it. You know, so nowadays it's, it's, yeah, if a patient tells me that their shoulder's hurting, I mean, if it's, as long as it's somewhere in the plan of care, obviously like pain modalities or pain management, if I can tie it into, like if they're having shoulder pain, they're going to have a hard time with, with posture while we're trying to do with a four wheel walker. Yeah. So I can use like, oh, my shoulder's killing me today. All right, let's get you set up on diathermy. I'll be back in 30 minutes and we'll hit your, you know, we'll do it then. Um, and it's, and that kind of stuff has been helping me a lot, but 
yeah, that was a, that was a struggle <laughs> to, to be my own man there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can relate to that in a different and, and, and well, in very much a similar way. Um, but also just kind of a different aspect from the hospital standpoint was like, um, you know, the autonomy and that my, the head PT on the floor I work with, I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest guys ever, you know, I love him to death. Um, but he's very much like, Hey, you know, you are your professional, you know, your stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to question what you know. I'm not going to question your judgment. Um, he's, he's quick to help if I, if I, if I have questions, but for the most part, you know, something that I struggle with, um, you know, very much so, uh, was, you know, we have, uh, on our floor, you know, case management comes in, um, on a constant basis, doctors come in on a constant basis and they're wondering why our PT recommended, you know, a, uh, outpatient, uh, physical therapy versus a sniff or so-and-so or this or that. Uh, and then that's on me to have that discussion with them, um, and explain to them, you know, well, this is what we want for them and this is what you want for them. Um, and this is what we're seeing, and this is what you're seeing. And so a lot of times it's kind of a battle because, you know, doctors technically don't want to send a patient somewhere unless PT's in agreement with, you know, where they want them to go. Uh, and so then it's like, well, hey, you're saying that this patient, you know, or most of the time what happens is we'll be like, hey, well, I'm saying this patient needs to go to a skilled nursing facility. They're not safe. And the doctor's like, well, you know, we need to send them home, blah, blah, blah. We're losing money on this. Um, but then it's like, well, I can't send them home just because you want them to go home because they're not safe to go home, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so we, and then case management, then it's a battle of, you know, case management comes in and it's like, well, what, what do they need? What do we get for them? So it's just like on a daily basis, you know, I'm, I have to take time out throughout my day of treating patients to, to sit down and have conversations with case management doctors, um, you know, to figure out how can we all come together meet the same end goal and for that for me that was tough for a while because it's intimidating you know you're talking to you know a doctor or an md or whatever it be or pa and they've been doing this for a long time and i'm and i'm trying to say this is where i'm standing and this is where you're standing um and for some people i can see how that can be like hey well you know you have to have a backbone um in the hospital system dude you gotta own it we're not just pas man you're part of that team that's yeah i know what you're talking about it you know a big medical doctor eight years of medical school comes and talks you're like whoa i'm just a pta but yeah yeah, we gotta own it we gotta step up we're part of that team yeah so yeah that's what that's one thing i would encourage you know for any any student that comes out it's just like you know be confident in you know what you are there's three letters behind your name you know they they mean a lot even though sometimes they might not feel like it um, they really do. You have a license. You're a valued member, um, and your, your voice matters. Um, and so, you know, don't shy down from having those, those conversations um, with people that maybe, you know, just because they have a better title than you or a bigger title. It's not, I mean, at the end of the day, you're all coming together for a common cause um, and working towards it. So definitely, uh, you know, be confident in what you know and what you do, and and stick by your word. That's what I would say. All that means is they have more student debt than we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. True. Yes. Screw you guys, but not not really. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the nice even... thing about being in a direct access state, man. It is the doctors here are really great. I mean, they they listen to my PT. They have I mean, they do have protocols, but if we call them and say, "Hey, this protocol is great, but it's a it's a cookie cutter. You know, you you've given this protocol for the last eight patients. This particular patient's not so much." I, I haven't encountered a doctor yet in seven months working there that, that didn't listen to the PT. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's Big, you know, go direct access. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's intense, Evan. I mean, that's like the kind of situation that I feel like I, I, I would want to at least try to be in to see if I actually stick to my guns. Like 
like I think I would, because that's really, you know, like I said, talking about is, is sticking to my my guns and what I think is right for the patient. At the end of the day, when, when you're having those conversations, I think the the PT should should also be there to to back you up because you know ultimately it is their plan of care, and you and the PT are seeing the patient you know every day versus an MD who sees them you know at least an outpatient you know maybe once a month, once every two months, depending on you know what what's going on with them, you know. So for them to say that we're not doing the right thing when or the patient's now not doing well enough or, you know, things like that. When I spend 40 minutes with the patient three times a week and you spend five minutes with the patient once every two months, like I, I feel like it's just, to be honest, really ballsy on their end to tell me I'm, I'm, I'm doing wrong. And, you know, I haven't had that, have that yet or anything, obviously, mm. but for, for, for you guys in, in a sniff and Matt, you, you've had a good experience so far and, and Evan in, in acute care, I feel like if you're spending more time with the patient than, the person that's telling you you're not doing the right thing, that's a really ballsy move on your end. You might have more big picture knowledge, but I'm with them, and Evan, you're with them like every fucking day. You know what they're going to through. You know what they're actually safe to do. You know, seeing you know moderate sway, moderate postural postural sway during cat sib on a note versus seeing it in person day to day is is two different things. Um, so I mean, I applaud you, man. That that's that's got to be fucking tough to stand sticking to your guns with, with when people are coming down on you like that. But uh, you got to be a patient advocate. So good for you, yeah, Evan. Yeah, for sure. Patient advocate. That's a good one. Patient advocate. You got to advocate for your patients. You know, do you don't want them back in the hospital because they fell at home because they weren't safe to go back home yet. So um, yeah, good on you, my man, for for stand, 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 yeah. standing your ground and, and telling those MDs to fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, yeah, he, like, you know, just reader and, you know, my, uh, the PT up there, he's, he, you know, he is great, and, he, and he's really good at what he does, um, yeah, the, mainly he just sees evals on a day, I mean, that's just the way turnover works in the hospital, and so it's like, he's hardly seeing the same person twice, and so that that's where it comes into me, it's like, well, now I have to be the kind of, like, you know, not just your PTA, but then I also have to be kind of like your, your social worker, in a sense, because, yeah, like I said, you know, there's patients that post-op day zero, you know, they're popped up on anesthesia and they're trying to say, you know, well, yeah, I have this many steps at home and I have this kind of support. And then the next day they come to me and they're like, yeah, I don't even have steps at home or I have like 15 more steps at home and I don't have anybody. And then it's just like, oh, well, we just recommended that patient for you. That must be fun. Oh, yeah. Now it's like you're living alone. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> this is <isn't gonna> <laughs> like a little 95 year old lady with 15 steps to live alone. And I got outpatient, you know, PT recommend for you. And that doesn't happen all the time, but you know, it's just stuff like that you have to, you know, you know, problem solve a little bit. But then it's, but it's it's like a tier system, right? It's you know trickles down to you know the patients I see. You know, it's, they're going to go to you and Eddie, and then y'all are going to work with them, and then and the ultimate goal is you know to get them home to where they want to be. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. I typically see my patients a week or two at the earliest post op. So thankfully, yeah, most most anesthesia is pretty well comp I think. Yeah, man, anesthesia is fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can some great conversations with patients. And most of the time, I just kind of, you know, they talk to you, and I'm not going to correct. I just go with it, you know, just like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to have fun with it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's always an interesting day. That's for sure. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Anything else you guys want to add? Man, I had something I wanted to say to one of your earlier comments, and then I forgot what it was. Which comment? I don't, I don't remember what it was, but I'll tell you just to, to share another thing that I wasn't expecting. This is what I told that uh, 
perspectives magazine. So we'll see if it shows up in there, but if not, I want, I want to put it out here cause it was such a, it wasn't something I was expecting. And I don't know if, if schools can prepare you for this or not, but Eddie, you might not uh, meet with, see this as much. Uh, Evan, you may, well, actually probably not. I guess I'm the only one in this position to be with somebody long enough and to see them pass away. Um, that was, I wasn't expecting. Yeah. When I have a patient, you know, they've been with me for six weeks or I, I've had some, like uh, I've been there long enough. I've started seeing what I call frequent flyers, you know, people who go home for a few weeks, something happens, got to come back, unfortunately. And, uh, I've had at least two, maybe three who have passed, you know, when they, when they come back, they've passed in our facility just from complications to their, uh, uh, their diagnosis, but I admittedly, I, I took one of them kind of hard. I mean, she looked just like my grandma <laughs> who also passed a year ago, but, uh, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for the emotional attachment sometimes. And I know, you, you know, we, we have to walk a very fine line, you know, cause in the end we have to be clinicians, but you know, when we talked earlier about making those connections and sharing those stories, you can't help, but you know, give a piece of yourself away and, and take a piece with you. So when, when people that you've seen for you know six or eight weeks at a time and you've heard all about their kids and you know their grandkids' names and you know you, you've been given a card to say thank you, when they pass, it's kind of hard. You know, and you, you've got to learn to deal with that and to cope with that. And you've got to, you can't let it affect just because you found out your, your patient passed. You, when you walk into the room to that next patient, you've got to have that smile on your face and you know, a song in your, a literal song in your heart sometimes. That's how I get myself in better moods. It's just singing at the top of my lungs like an idiot. Yeah. But, uh, patients love it, but they make them laugh. But yeah, that was just a, an odd thing. I really wasn't, I never thought about, you know, and I don't, I don't think that they would teach you about that in school. Cause it's not something you think about a lot, but be prepared, be prepared to get attached to your patients and, and be prepared for it to hurt a little bit when they pass. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a really great point you brought up. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking tough, man. I, I, I luckily an outpatient and I haven't had that in my short time in a sniff. I didn't, I didn't have that. Um, one of my classmates actually did while they were in session like while they were, he was treating somebody, they coded, he called uh, code blue. Everybody came in, uh, nurses and, and, and physicians and everything. Um, and then they found out it was DNR. So they just stopped. And yeah. so we were just there while like, it's hard. And <laughs> yeah. And those I, are, those are tough experiences coding. You know, I've been about, I haven't experienced one. I can only imagine. That's yeah, like, fuck. Like I'm almost in tears when my patients are like telling me about their life stressors and like, I've gotten along with them. I've seen them a couple of times and like, there's one patient that, you know, she's taking care of her husband and you know, she's having issues with vertigo and, and, and blood pressure. And like, she has a ton of shit going on and she also has to take care of her husband who has a ton of shit going on. And like every time she, you know, I try to let her like get a little venting out every, every session. Cause mm -hmm. she's going, going to see it psychologist like i want her to um but every time she is seeing a psychologist buddy it's during her pt time <laughs> pretty much, no for reals though but like you know when, it, when, when you're a therapist you're a therapist in multiple ways i start tearing up a little bit but like it's it's hard like that and that's just somebody that's just talking about their life and how hard their life is so i can't even imagine you know building or relate you know because i have a, a relationship with her she's awesome she's fucking great to work with but i can't imagine like having her code on me yep. like that like that shit would be intense like i can't imagine seeing patients for the rest of the day like that so again i mean kudos to you because that i don't know yeah. that i could like know that somebody that like i enjoyed working with like pass away while they're mm -hmm. in the facility and then like just walk into like i don't think i could do it honestly yeah, yeah. i think i would go yeah, yeah to, to um, touch to touch on that you know because i mean you, you talk about dealing with stuff you know my first my first experience you know and i, and I don't want to tell this that might go through it. You know, I want you to know what kind of, what should feel normal for you. But it was, 
my first my first code was um it was actually the day after Christmas. So I work, I, I I went in the day after Christmas. And there's a patient I've been working with for a couple of times. She was a super sweetheart, but I you know I got her up and we walked maybe about five feet into the lethargic high look kind of looking flush. Um diaphoresis going on. So it's like, hey, you know what, we're gonna sit back down, kind of assess things. As I sat her back down, you know, I just noticed, you know, there was some changes going on. I started talking to her, you know, asking her, you know, basic questions, you know, what's your name? What's today? And I just kind of noticed that she wasn't putting words together. Like speech was slurred and I was like, hey, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, hit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is the first time I was like, yeah, I'm gonna hit the staff just button. And that's usually when that, you know, it alerts people like, hey, we need, you need to get there. Um, and luckily, I mean, luckily I did because within, you know, I'd say, you know, the first five or six nurses popping in, um, running over, she, she went into, you know, coded, went to, you know, seizure. Um, and then we had to like backboard and stuff. So, I mean, and, and then you're there and it's like, well, I'm not just going to stand here. So then you got to jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that experience, I mean, it was just like, that was like, you know, first thing in the morning this happened. And I was just like, you know, it, it was my first, you know, first time dealing with that. And I kind of, you talked to you, I was like, Hey, you know, I need to take, you know, time off for the rest of the day. Um, and she, they were completely understanding. Um, but that's rough. And I, you can't imagine mine. I can't imagine being part of the situation. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But I just want people to know it's like, it's okay. You're never, you're not always going to respond and be like, just turn around. Like, okay. Yeah. Go back into it. Sometimes like, you know, those things happen and you build yourself through over time. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's okay to like say, Hey, well, like take some time for yourself. It's okay Um, to be human. Yeah. Yeah. Management's like okay with that. But yeah, going back to what you're saying, Matt, with like you know, patients, because I mean, I see half the patients that we send to SNFs on a daily basis, and and I hate to be you know pessimistic, but most of them, you know, there's not there's not you know their conditions. It's like you kind of understand where they're going, and mm. so dude, you know, that's your main patient caseload. It's like, man, I can only imagine how tough that is too, because um, it's more likely that you're going to see people pass, yeah. um, and you're going to have more time to build those relationships. So that's like, you know, I can only imagine how tough that is too. Because you, there's two flips in the coin. It's like, well, there's one where it's like a very high stress situation, but then there's also one where it's like you work with patient, patients day in day out, gets to know them personally and their families personally, but then you kind of also know like what the expectations are, and so that's like tougher too when that day comes to kind of cope with those emotions. So. That's rough. I, I take a page out of Eddie's book and I, I humble myself by remembering that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you know, you know, you don't want to talk about it with a patient, but you know they may not have a lot of time left and. Yeah. I just try to remember like, you know what, this person doesn't have a lot of time left and I'm, I'm almost honored to be a part of that time. Yeah. And if I'm going to, if I have to force what little bit of time they have left to interact with me, I'm going to make it good. They're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be as lighthearted and positive as possible. You know, and sometimes, I mean, yeah, we can't, we can't save them and that's, ooh, that's a dark path to go down. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we can't be a huge impact on at least the quality of what's, you know, that little bit of time that's there. And that's, that's, I have to think about that a lot. Like, yeah, they may not, they may not be here next month, but they're here right now. And if I can make them laugh or I can make them smile or tell me a cool story, that's, that's time well spent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't, that, I, I can't agree more. It helps your mental health. So kind of bring that around too. That's I mean, healthy. mental health is fucking huge, not just with your patients, but yourself. Yeah. So especially, you know, as, as a new clinician or seasoned clinician, like if you're just getting ragged down by, by seeing that a lot, like go talk to somebody, man, go, go see a psychologist, take some time off and like talk to somebody about it. Cause it's, a, it's good that you, you feel that way. I would be worried if you didn't like, if you're seeing that like death every day, 
it's not affecting you, I would be more concerned of you actually treating patients then. Thankfully, it's not every day. If it was yeah, every well, day. Yeah, not every day. I, yeah, no, I know what yeah, you mean. That's my My brother is a paramedic. He deals with that kind of stuff on a most yeah. daily basis. And I, yeah. it takes a special kind of person to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're seeing that and you're not, you're not okay for the rest of the day, like take the time off. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's better for you and your patients because yeah. your patients are, are, are going to see it. If you can't hide it, you know, and you can't, you know, if it's just bugging you and you're going to give their patient a shitty treatment, um, yeah. you're going to f- miss something that they say that might be a, you know, a red flag or yellow flag that you need to bring up. Like mm-hmm. you're going to miss something because you're not in the right mindset. So yeah, and, I can't yeah, imagine teams that won't pick to help out with stuff like that. Everybody, everybody takes an hour off your schedule, boom, you know, and just be willing to return the favor when the day comes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that was one thing my, uh, my teachers, uh, when I was in school, they, they always said that your health is is more important in the sense that like if you quote unquote throw out your back trying to transfer a patient because you're not willing to wait for another person, how many patients are now not going to be able to help? How many patients are you not able to help now because you, you know, decided to be decided that helping them at that moment without getting right. the proper help was, was right. So if you don't take care of yourself physically and mentally, how many patients are you going to not be able to take care of uh, because you decided to just push through it? So, I mean, take care of yourself as much as you take care of your patients. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's, that's an episode we should have on here, mental health. I think that'd be like a really good talk to have and oh. out to that, like what it means, like build communities, even like this, you know, just come on and, you know, like us three, you know, chatting about, you know, what's going on on a daily basis with, it helps to have people like soundboard off of it. It's like, wait, this is what I see. And Matt's like, you know, this is what I see in Eddie. And it's just like, in that you can pick up positives and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like, I might not be having a good day I'm doing, but you guys might have, you know, something that was really a positive note that can have me, you know, look better, you know, look forward to tomorrow for what I can do with the patient or what I can bring to the table. So it's yeah, mental health would be a would be a fun fun talk to have. I think it'd be a good talk to have. We need that would, to have that would, I'd, I would want to hear that. That'd be a good episode because that'd probably give a lot of tips to a lot of people that could really use. I mean, even you know, even just just talking to you guys on this podcast is helping me out a lot. Just putting putting those kind of feelings into words, whether it's to a yeah. friend, a therapist, you know, I mean, it, it, it just helps. It, bottling, bottling that kind of stuff up for you or your patient. It's, that's not working. I agree 100%. We hit up Sean. He'd be a good one. Sean Hagee. He's a PTA in Kansas City. One of my mentors that he, he's big on, on mental health and, and Sean's a good bring him on for that. Shit. We covered a lot of bases. I'll tell you that. Nice. Yeah, you know, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to get, uh, he, um, you know, on again i know he probably has some of the life adulting right yeah well you know i i would love if you guys ever i don't know if you guys have plans for an episode like this i would love to hear about like what fresh ptas are doing to stay involved in advocacy and i bet key would be a really good person to hit up for that because that's now that i'm kind of hitting that work-life balance i want to get back involved in advocacy advocacy big word and it's not easy. It's not easy. So I bet he, he'll, he'll be a good resource. I'm going to hit up for that kind of stuff. And obviously you too, Eddie. But Bro, just hit the legislator. I, you know, you would think it's that easy. I'm trying to look. It's hard getting involved with the current Colorado chapter, finding who's who and where's no, what. Not, not even that. Like, aside mm-hmm. from that, like, you're a direct legislator. Like, whoever. Oh, yeah. From a, you know, I want to go straight to the source for sure. Yeah, that's what I, I did. Said, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you don't know your legislator? Like, what's, what's going on? Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I mean, don't mind. Know, right. I, mean, I know who they are. I knew them when I was in Missouri, but I don't know my Colorado legislators. I've only I've been here a little over a year, and now that I'm starting to, my mind is in the right enough place to want to get back into advocacy. I need to learn. I absolutely yeah. need to learn. 
right. That's where it starts. You've got to know the people that make that can make a change. Because if yeah. you don't, shout out to the PTA tapes episode with Jerry Durham that we did last year, <laughs> where we talked about federal advocacy forum and how to get involved in your local uh, state legislator to have a larger impact than you do at federal advocacy forum. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That was yeah, a good one I, got, I got in contact with mine, or I'm trying to at least, because um, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield out here in Nevada signed an ex- their, their their Medicaid plan signed an exclusive contract with ATI Physical Therapy. Shout out Mill Clinics. Um, so that way we lost like okay. probably 30 patients that are on Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicaid. They can only go to ATI now if they want their services covered. So I hit both of them up, and I'm going to talk to them about legislative options. Because um, in Nevada, the the board, they're like, it's, you know, too close to legislative. Like when, when we do come with a bill, we want it to be, you know, sound. We don't just want to scramble and come up with one. Like made sense. Like from a from an organization standpoint, they, they're not opposing it right now because they don't have like the backing and they want to make sure they do it right. So it makes make sense on their, you know, kudos to them for, for wanting to do it right versus wanting to do it quick. So I took it upon myself to to hit them up to try to see what we can do work with them now to to get that reverse because if it's a government plan it shouldn't be able to to be a private contract and i also fucking hate mill clinics so (laughs) and i i gotta say here real quick i gotta do a shout out to the apta action app i was just able in the time it took you to say that to figure out who my legislators are so now i know who they are there you go Amazing how that works, right? Strange. Michael Bennett, Corey Gardner, and Joe Nagusi. I'm going to hit them up now that I know who they are. And then just, yeah. just for – They listen. They're going to know that they're uh, – just, um, yeah. just, just that easy, guys. Pull up that app. Type in your address. Now I know. Boom. Uh, just for, for legal purposes, I am not specifically stating that ATI is a mill clinic. However, <laughs> going off of rumors and hearsay oh, on what I've been told. PTA tapes does not have uh, a strong stance on mill clinics. I or they do know, I'm not saying specifically that they are a mill clinic. I'm just saying. <laughs> Telling you what, man, uh, the mill clinics are going to be coming after us here in the near future. Fuck them. We're definitely on a hit list. Fuck them. Bring it on. I'll start a new yeah. podcast. We'll start a new podcast under an alias. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Stay strong, boys. Stay strong. You know we're, we're trying. I don't. Know, I don't think we're on like a big enough stage yet to even worry about like people. Right. Um, you have to actually threaten. You have to actually threaten their uh, standing to be considered slander. We talked about that before too. They make too much money, so we got to make sure we destroy their businesses from the outside in. So that way, guerrilla PTA war tactics. Essentially, yeah. Cut out their business. More private practices that aren't Milkinix, so they don't get as much business because their service is shitty. Hey, he's already got a plan, man. I'm telling you. Bro, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's not saying, he's just saying. Like, like. Yeah. This has been awesome, guys. What was the last one that you uh, waged war against? It was, wasn't like the Texas something? Oh, um, yeah, with the uh, duck legs. Yeah, yeah. Texas and Medical Association. Yeah. All I'm saying is, like, I get the politics of everything, but. Like at the end of, end of the day, people just need to be able to call out bullshit when they see it and stop fucking pitter-pattering around. Mm-hmm. Like, call a spade a spade. But yeah. That's all it is. I mean, yeah, for, for those of you out there that want to work for no clinic, no, you know, 
power to you. No, we don't. We don't have anything against you specifically. You know, it's just well, I and mean, who knows? I mean, if they're, I honestly haven't heard yay or nay, good or bad on that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah. even if they are bad, seek that kind of thing out. Be that person. Be that change. You know, like you know what? Hey, I've heard some really bad things about this place. I'd like to make a name for myself. I want to go in there and, and make a change. Show them. Show them a better way. And if it works, awesome. You, you know. Yeah. And if it's not, then hey, find another opportunity. True. But, yeah. Usually play, you know, things that need fixing are a great way to get involved and getting, you know, and get your name out there. So I mean, when you do hear of clinics like that, I mean, I want to learn more about it personally. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. All right, my friends, do you want to do like a final word or do you think we're good? I mean, hmm. whatever you want, boss. This is your show. I'm just I'm just enjoying talking to you. Guys. Hey, you know, for you students out there, you know, just, uh, I don't, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just um, don't stress it too much, you know, don't stress the small stuff. Um, you're not going to know everything. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, um, you know, on, on many takes, but yeah, you know, go in, be willing to learn, uh, be willing to adapt. Um, change happens all the time. Be willing to question the bullshit, as Eddie would say. Um stand firm in what you believe in and um as long as you have the evidence you know to back that up don't go out there and you know do stupid shit just because you want to do stupid shit um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i mean you know take take um you know counsel and others you know whether it's people like you know me and matt and eddie that are just kind of starting off on our journey or if it's people that have been doing it for a long time you know we're here to talk to you guys um matt anything you want to add to that eddie I mean, honestly, I, I, I couldn't say it more. I mean, it's, it's stressful. It's horrible. It's horrifying. It gives me anxiety, but I love what I do. You know, I mean, it's, it's worth it every single day, you know? And, uh, I mean, just talking about, you know, what you were expecting, weren't you, you know, the, the whole, the kind of the, the, the loose subject of this uh, podcast was, you know, what, what weren't we expecting? And all I can say is just be flexible. Yeah. Be be excited to learn something new. I kind I kind of keep forgetting that we're talking to an audience and not just you guys. But uh, you know, I mean, seriously, for all students, just I mean, just because you stop, just because you, you graduate college, don't ever lose the college kid mentality. Always yeah. be wanting to learn. Always be open to something new. And if you do, when the weird stuff comes at you, you'll be at least a little prepared. Yeah. Whereas if you try to live in that world of black and white, it's not going to work. I mean, don't get me wrong. Contraindications are contraindications. Don't mess with that. But, you know, what works, what's good for one patient is not good for another. And, you know, and like you said, Evan, I mean, do, do not, uh, don't sweat the petty things. And as my friend always said, don't pet the sweaty things either. But either way, <laughs> we're going to be okay, you know. Yeah, that was always my dad's go-to. Don't sweat the petty things. Don't pet the sweaty things. Thanks, Dad. Wow. But, I mean, seriously, you, you know, you'll live to fight another day. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. I mean, obviously, don't hurt anybody. But don't, I should say, don't be afraid to be wrong. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, you've got to be willing to be wrong to, to, to get anywhere in this, in this show, at least in my setting. I mean, yeah. I, I have to be, willing to be wrong on an almost daily basis. Cause I usually am about something. Yeah. It's I love it. You're not going to be perfect. Um, you can't be me, so can't be perfect. Um, yeah, I love both of you said, you know, it, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. You know, there are days where I get done treating with a patient and I go into our kitchen and I close the door and I just take a deep ass breath and decompress for like two minutes and then get on, get on with the getting on. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, do, do what you need to do, you know, don't reiterating both of these guys, you know, don't, don't stress too much. It's going to be tough, but you know, find the right fit for yourself and the job 
and you know it'll all work out in the end don't be don't don't be afraid to be wrong like matt said mm-hmm. uh, kind of tying it all in um and then my little blurb would be shit'll buff um just like you know when you get a little dent in your car and you can buff it out shit'll buff you know every mm-hmm. day something might go wrong shit'll buff um as long as you're not doing anything stupid crazy and and, and not going outside plan of care and you know not doing something that's contraindicated shit'll buff had a bad treatment session shit'll buff like mm-hmm. don't 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 that might just be the off. name for this uh this episode shit'll buff that's, shit'll what, buff. that's what i thought about shit'll buff yeah i mean <laughs> yeah, man. we'll do it that's good. um yeah shit'll buff everybody do your shit keep learning don't ever stop learning if you're learning if you stop learning you're stagnant if you're stagnant you suck yeah uh, you're stagnant <laughs> you're dead in the water buddy yep cool awesome guys. It, guys this is great talk. yeah talk awesome. to you later later peace later. all right that finishes up our two-part series with matt on our expectations in the clinic and whether or not they came uh, to fruition uh, if you agree, disagree, have thoughts on your own expectations and things that didn't quite go right or things that went exactly right in the clinic, be sure to drop us a comment on Facebook at the PTA Tapes or on Twitter at the PTA, sorry, the underscore PTA underscore tapes. Um, give us a like, subscribe, and follow on, on Twitter and uh, podcasting, streaming service, whichever you know, you're using. Um, be sure to look out for the next one. You know, hopefully we'll be able to talk some mental health with uh, Sean Hagee. Uh, and we'll kind of see where we go. Thanks again for listening and have a good one.